welcome to the Beit Tehila Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody. Thanks for listening uh, to the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in studio with the one and only Pastor Nick Plummer. And we've got an exciting podcast planned for you today. Hopefully the Spirit leads us in a cool direction. We're talking about the Torah portion, Miketz, which means at the end, which you can find uh, in Genesis chapter 41, uh, verses uh, 1 through chapter 44, verse 17. And so uh, we are continuing on with the story of Joseph. And uh, Joseph, I believe, is currently in prison. And that's where we begin. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Ryan. Just a little quick review here. Once again, uh, Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers. Uh, they actually wanted to slay him at 17 years of age. And uh, he gets uh, sold into uh, Egypt as a slave. And uh, he goes to uh, Potiphar's house, who's uh, captain of the guard of the Egyptian army, I believe it is, a soldier. And uh, he's in his house and he has favor. And then, of course, Potiphar's wife uh, tries to seduce him and he runs out. Uh, she grabs his garment. And he's, of course, wrongly accused of foul play, sexual immorality. Uh, and, of course, that's not happening today. Of course it is. But the thing is, he's innocent. So Pharaoh knows he's innocent. So instead of taking Joseph's life and, and causing him to be guilty, he puts him in prison. Wait, so it's possible to be accused of sexual immorality but not actually be guilty? Not be guilty. Oh. So once again, remember now, the Bible is established on two or more witnesses. Yeah. But the culture tries to establish things on accusations. Yeah, they do. So sure. we're, we're innocent until proven guilty. That's, that should be the, the statement. So, so once again, um, he goes to prison and he finds favor and everything in, in the prison. Uh, once again, he was 17 years old when he went down to Egypt. So we're going to see how these years develop. So he's in, he's in jail. And of course, the Pharaoh uh, has the butler and the baker sent into prison with, with Joseph. Uh, each one of those uh, gentlemen, the butler and the baker had dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams. And of course, we find out through the storyline that the butler, which of course is a cupbearer, he's the one that would drink from the cup before giving it to Pharaoh, was of course saved and uh, taken out of prison. Uh, but the baker was was hung. He was hung and he died. And, he and so killed. that's where our Torah portion begins. Absolutely. And so just remember, Joseph was in the dungeon. He was in prison. He tells the butler or the cupbearer, hey, listen, remember me. When you go back to Pharaoh, remember me, remember me. But how much time had passed since Joseph saw the butler and Pharaoh had his first dream? Two whole years, man. Two full years. He's sitting in there feeling bad for himself. So they he's, he's still in prison. And two years have gone by. Because why? God's never late, Ryan. He's right. never late. God's always on time, especially when it comes to the restoration and the regathering of the house of Israel. Yep. He is going to be right on time. Now, Pharaoh's going to have a dream. And just to cut to the chase, we're not going to get into all the details of this particular dream, uh, even even the, the first dream and second dream. But we're, we're just going to cut to the chase here. We're going to say that basically uh, that, that he had this dream and... Um, when Pharaoh awoke from his dream, he was very troubled. And whom did he tell and did they interpret it? Well, he told uh, all of his magicians and his wise men, and none of them could interpret it. He even told them the dream, 
and they would not give him the interpretation. I thought that was quite fascinating, right? I mean, after you hear the story about the baker and the butler being thrown into the prison, you know, I don't think these guys in his administration wanted to make anything up. Yeah, so they were sure. pretty honest at this point saying, hey, this guy runs a tight ship. Uh, he ain't playing around. And you know what? We just can't interpret this. Yeah. But who told Pharaoh about Joseph who had interpreted his dream? Uh, it was the chief butler who was in prison with him. The chief butler. And so here, here's the exciting thing now. The butler remembers Joseph. You know, Ryan, as we move throughout the culture, as we move throughout our days of living on this earth, I can I can assure you all the seeds that Beit Tehillah have planted are going to come into fruition. Somebody plants, somebody waters, God causes the increase. There are going to be people that are going to come back to us. Yeah, and at this and point, obviously, and what we said and what we shared. Yeah, and, and obviously, at this point, Joseph is is feeling a little downtrodden because he's in prison. It's been two years. He obviously thinks that the butler forgot him, but the butler remembers him, or at least God brings Joseph to the butler's mind at just the right time. Because if Joseph would have been pulled out of prison before that, he wouldn't have been you know thrust into the opportunity that he's given. I think I right think here. so. It's all divine appointments. Yeah. Once again, divine appointments. You know, I want to encourage all of you that in your circumstances, begin to rejoice over your circumstances and where you're at because the Father, if he brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Yeah. So before bringing Joseph to Pharaoh, what two things did Joseph do? Uh, well, he shaved himself and changed his clothes, I'm sure, through uh, being in prison. He was probably dirty, hairy, and not well kept. He's going to become an Egyptian. He's going to go right into the Egyptian culture now. Uh, once again, three things that can be corrupted. Skin, clothing, and homes. So here he almost does this like a ceremonial kind of cleansing thing, uh, even changes his own clothing from a slave uh, to a position of power and authority. And I think that's exciting. And uh, who did Joseph give the credit to for his ability to interpret dreams? Uh, he gave it He gave it to God, which is a lesson for all of us, right? Wow, that, isn't that awesome? It is. So we can't give peace of dreams any credit, right? No, but, but the interpretation that he gives to dreams, he gives the credit to God and right. not to himself so that he wouldn't be worshipped. Joseph or, was a dreamer. Yeah. So when Pharaoh told Joseph his dream, was he able to give the interpretation? Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. He was able to give the interpretation. And uh, what was the interpretation of the dream uh, given by Joseph to Pharaoh? So in this case... Uh, you know, the dreams of the, the seven cows or the seven corn was seven years and then the seven other years. And so basically that there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. Very good. In so, the land of so Egypt. So it's coming up. So they got to produce the crops and there will be seven years of plenty, prosperity, and seven years of famine or lack. Okay. So, so when Joseph suggested that Pharaoh place a man over the land of Egypt to gather the seven years of increase... Who did Pharaoh choose? He, he chose Joseph. I mean, I th what a fantastic way to, to do that, though. He, he tells him the dream and tells him the solution to the problem that's going to arise based on the interpretation. And then Pharaoh's like, and you're you, going to be the guy to do it. You, you know, Ryan, what's, I take what's, you. what's coming up in my spirit right now by the Holy Spirit, and I'm inspired to share this with all of you even listening, that we all have divine appointments to see the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel. Yeah. The butler remembered Joseph. They had a relationship. Joseph was kind enough to interpret the dream. Good came out of it for the butler. He remembers Joseph, and so he, he tells Pharaoh. And now all of a sudden, Pharaoh recognizes something in Joseph Yeah, because he has this gift 
because he has insight, he has discernment, Joseph does. So he tells the dream, he gives God the glory, and now Pharaoh is going to use him. And so what position did Pharaoh give Joseph? Second only to the throne of Pharaoh. Second in command. Yeah. Second in command. As we move into even Genesis chapter 41, 45, let's check this out. I'd like to just read this verse here. Um, let's see here. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephnath Paaniah, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, and Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Now, now once again, Joseph's going to marry an Egyptian priest's daughter. Now, he's given this name, Zephnath Paaniah. I think this is incredible, which means a revealer of secrets. Mm. Or the man to whom secrets are revealed. Ryan, this is incredible. Because what's happening right now, Ryan, is this. I'm telling you right now, I'm so excited that the house of Joseph, the non-Jews coming out of the nations, they have a secret. Yeah. They know a secret. Right. God's revealed and something now to them. People are asking about it. They're, people are sharing it. Oh, absolutely. Right? I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, God showed me the Shabbat. God showed me the Torah. God showed me the dietary laws, you know, and he showed me don't eat this, but eat that. And and, and, and people are coming to me in, in, in droves and giving me these testimonies that, you know, God told me to start keeping the Sabbath on Friday night. And, right. And, 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 and even incredible revelations of people just even dreaming about Beit Tehillah and coming. You know, my wife was making a good point to me the other day because I think we talk to our friends in the public sector of life or other Christian friends that just go to regular Sunday church and whatnot. We can uh, kind of get frustrated with the fact that, you know, hey, I've, I've, I've shown them this or they've asked me these questions, but yet they're still, you know, resistant to the ideas that I've presented or whatnot, the Torah, the feast days, the Sabbath, all of that. And she said, you know, God reveals wisdom and gives knowledge to those that he wants to give it to. And we think that we learned X, Y, or Z through a teaching or that we learned it from, you know, reading this article or whatever, but God gives us that revelation because we could have gotten that information, but without the revelation of God, it wouldn't, we would have, it would have just been like every other piece of information we've ever received. But you know, and this is what I share with, even with my pastor friends. Listen, there's a phenomenon happening right in the earth. Oh, absolutely. The non-Jews are wanting their Hebrew roots. Absolutely. Well, and, They're and, wanting to celebrate the Shabbat yeah. and, and, and the feast days and, and read the Torah portions and all these things. And these are people that are born again, a lot of them spirit-filled, love the Lord. And they're like, you know, it, it's happening. So, so, Ryan, what's happening now is we have to bring order right. to this revelation. Well, and as the world turns, you know, to the left and, and we don't even know what gender is and, and we're confused, everything's relative. What's right for you is right for you. What's right for me is right for me. The Torah stands as God's absolute, uh, authority in the earth that we can see that's in black and white that we could say this is right and this is wrong rather than eating out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and trying to decide what's good right. as we, and course, evil for ourselves. As we reveal this beautiful story, uh, how old was Joseph when he stood before Pharaoh? He was 30 and there's a point to be made right here about Joseph old. at this point. Think about this, that Joseph in this story, if he would have relented to Potiphar's wife, to his master's wife, and just, you know, been immoral with her because she day in and day out trying to tempt him. But because he was righteous and because he feared God, right, and did the right thing, he was accused and it seemed that for a time that he uh, was being punished for the righteous deeds that he did. But think about this. If he would have relented to Potiphar's wife, he could have lived in Potiphar's house for the rest of his life. Never been 
you know, never had any of the blessings that come after this. I don't want to, I don't want to give any more of the story away. That's why we got to stay away from sexual immorality. But instead he ends up second only to Pharaoh running the entire Egyptian administration. Right. What an important role to have. Amen. All right. So he's 30 years old. Muddy the waters. You know, there's a lot of uh, uh, facts here, you know, being 30 years of age, we know that how old was Yeshua when he began his ministry? 30. He was 30. Yep. Uh, when you go back to the original age of the priesthood, how old did you have to be to become a priest? 30. It's called the law first mentioned. Uh, we know later on uh, even uh, King David lowered the age down to 25 and then 20, uh, I believe, because it was a, a need for a priest to minister. But um, once again, he was 30 years old. Now, uh, we know that uh, once uh, Pharaoh, you know, uh, gave Joseph his position and power. He married an Egyptian priest's daughter. And of course he has two children. And and can you just tell me a little bit about those two children, Ryan? Well, he has two sons. Uh, the firstborn is named Manasseh and the secondborn is named Ephraim. Uh, Manasseh, uh, his name means forgetting or cause me to forget, right? So when he's named, it says that God has caused me to forget. That's right. And then Ephraim's uh, name means fruitful or, or doubly fruitful. Uh, which both of their names are kind of prophetic to the story of Joseph, meaning, you know, Joseph's gone through all this turmoil. He gets appointed to, you know, the second in command to Pharaoh, has a wife, has a kid, and his firstborn he names, cause me to forget. Cause me to forget what? All these horrible things that happened in my past, right? right. With my brothers and That's right. and being sold and being and a slave people, and in prison. People, and What people fail to realize is the fact that, you know, um, Pharaoh becomes like a father figure to Joseph, you would think. You know, he, he pulled him out of prison. You know, he gave him a position. He 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 gave him a, a new clothing because he had lost his coat of many colors. So to name his son Manasseh, it's almost like he's saying, you know, I'm going to forget my Hebrew roots. Yeah, I'm going to forget where I came from and all of this because you know what? If my father loved me, he would come look for me. He knew what his brothers had done to him, so he obviously knew that. Hey, you know what? Um, my brothers aren't going to come try to look for me because they threw me in this pit. But my father, my, my earthly father would would absolutely want to come and look for me. But since he has not come to look for me, then he I guess he doesn't care. So he actually names his, his first son, firstborn Manasseh, forgetting. And Ephraim means fruitful. I mean, there it is right there, Ryan. And that's an interesting point to be made. Ephraim means doubly fruitful or fruitful. And uh, this is what we're seeing today. Uh, and so were Joseph's two sons born in the time of plenty or famine? He, uh, they were born in the time of plenty. They were born the in the time years. of plenty. So think about that. So when you look at Manasseh and Ephraim, uh, even today, Ephraim and Judah, Ephraim being the non-Jews, people coming out of the nations, and of course, Judah being the natural branches, uh, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Ephraim's the wild branches. I find it interesting in the times in which we live, the stock market has never been better. Hmm. We're really in times of plenty and everything, and all of this is really happening. Yeah. But here comes the famine. So when the seven years of famine began, how much of the earth was hit with famine? Uh, well, according to Genesis uh, 41, 56, it was all the face of the earth. So this famine was worldwide. So once again, God creates circumstances, Ryan, to bring us together. He's going to cause circumstances to come in our life to cause us to want to come together. You know, in Genesis 41, 57, it says, And all the countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all the land. So he must have been one of the, the, probably the most famous person in the whole region. 
I mean, not just in Egypt, but all of Canaan, oh, I think that, Syria. At that time, Egypt was a major, major world empire. For sure. You know, and uh, but guess what's going to happen? Oh, here we go. How many of Joseph's brothers were sent by Jacob to Egypt to buy corn? Uh, it's 10. There were 10. Okay, so let me just tell this little story as we progress through chapter 42 here. Um which brother was left to stay with his father? Benjamin. Right, Benjamin. What was the reason? Did not want him to fall into mischief. Yeah, well, if you think about it, the other son of Rachel is Joseph, which he thinks is dead. You know, the last time he sent somebody to go be with the brothers, right? Right. And so he's protecting Benjamin from the fate of Joseph or what he thinks happened to Joseph. You know, and moving forward in this story, you know, just to let everybody know that Joseph recognized his brothers. Oh, yeah. But they did not recognize him. Right. Now he's shaven. He's got this different garment on. You know, he's, and, and, you know, twice the age he was when they last saw him. So, so he, he notices them. You know, and it said that, that they wanted to slay him and they threw him in the pit. So now all of a sudden, you know, I, I believe at this point, you know, Joseph's got an unloving spirit. Oh, for sure. He's got an unloving spirit. And with that comes an unclean spirit because we're supposed to love. But, but what's he going to do? He's going to accuse his brothers of being spies, right? Yeah. And so when Joseph's brothers shared about their family background and that their younger brother was with their father, Joseph demanded of them. He demanded, bring back their younger brother. Mm. Oh, really? So this is your family and one's no more. And, oh, you have a little brother. I want you to bring him back to me. Yeah. Because he's accusing them of being spies because he's going to teach them a lesson. You know, this is the debate in my house right now, or at least it was in the last Torah portion. If Joseph knew Benjamin and if he was with uh, his family when his mother died, because we know that, you know, sometimes within the Hebrew scriptures that things are character centric and they don't go in a, in a timeline. And so they say Benjamin and some of the depictions and movies and whatnot that you see that, that have this story in it show that, oh, he didn't even know that he had a younger brother. And that's why he doesn't believe them. Now, I'll tell you this, from me searching the scriptures, it's not clear, right? You know, if, if the timeline isn't exact in the in the last Torah portion, and in this Torah portion, it doesn't say, oh, I didn't know I had a younger brother. It doesn't say that Joseph didn't know him. So it's it's unclear. So right now we've got a an impasse in my house as far as whether or not Joseph you know, knew about that, his younger brother. That's an brother. interesting point to be made. You know, I, I personally believe that Joseph knew that he had a brother. Um but a little brother, uh, Benjamin. Well, you can just join the other side of my house. Though. This is true. You know? <laughs> but, you know, it's the whole point of, wow, he has a brother from the same mother. That would really mean something to him. For sure. So he takes his brothers and he accuses them of being spies. He says, bring back your younger brother. And then he, he actually, he, 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 he puts them in a situation to, to make them think for three days. He isolates them, puts them all uh, together for three days to really think about some things, which is very interesting. And I'm sure when Joseph was in the pit, he had time to think about some things. And, um, and so if the brothers did not return back to Joseph with their little brother, what was going to happen to them? They would die. Wow, an ultimatum here. They would die. That's pretty, that's pretty serious. They would die. Now... Once again, their conscience started to kick in. And, 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 and Joseph's brothers actually started to feel guilty yeah. about what they had done to Joseph. And, the, and we won't get into all the verses or the, or the, or the, or the storyline. No, that but it's degree. interesting that they start arguing, right, over, over the guilt they feel that they've got this iniquity that's on them, you know? Oh, yeah. And they're I like, mean, this is only happening because of what, you know, what happened in the past, what we did in the past. You know, I guess I guess we could read uh, Genesis forty two twenty one, and they said one to another, "We are very guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul 
when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore, is this distress come upon us? Man, Ryan, check this out. You reap what you sow. Oh, yeah. If you're gunning for somebody, if you're coming after somebody, I'm telling you right now, somebody's coming after you. Yeah. So this is why our whole method here at, at Bait to Heal is to tell you what we're for, not what we're against. And uh, so we can we can see this playing around. And so Reuben answered them saying in verse 22 of chapter 42, spake I not unto you saying, do not sin against the child and you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. Wow. Now Joseph realizes Reuben was going to stand up for him and help him. And so he literally had to leave the room and weep. Well, and it says here he, that, he that, that. And, they, and they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. So Joseph spoke Egyptian. Right. And, and he understood he, Hebrew. But he understood Hebrew. So he knew and, what they were and saying. They, so it's like they were talking about him, and they didn't know he understood right. what he was saying or what they were saying. That's why you got to be careful, you know. Yeah. So... uh you know, that's interesting. Now, so so what did Joseph do for his brothers that caused great alarm among them? Well, when they, they get halfway through their journey, I guess, and, and they find the money in their sacks uh, of their food, right? The money that they were supposed to pay him, they find it in their sack of food. Right. So the money that they used to buy the food. So they're like, oh, God, he's going to think we stole it from back him. Yeah. in their food. And so when Joseph's brothers returned to Jacob and told him they were accused of being spies and that they were to return back to Egypt with Benjamin, what was their father's response? So now they're going back home. The money that they gave to pay for the food is in their sacks. I think in the Hebrew it says, uh, I don't think so. Homie and, uh, it says, homie, don't play they're that. They're telling Jacob, hey, we got to take Benjamin back to back to, back to to the Pharaoh, back so, to the one in second in the command here. This guy, we got to take this, uh, we got to take this son back. Uh, so, so Reuben actually offered to slay his two sons. He says, hey, you can slay my two sons if I don't bring him back. You know, that that's kind of cheap, isn't it? Wow, you can just slay my two sons. That was Reuben. Yeah, I don't think I'd kind ever put gesture, my, but, my you know, son in I, that I position. I don't think that's really appropriate. But yeah. The famine was bad, and Jacob told his sons to go back down to Egypt and... Uh, what was Judah's response? Uh, well, he was reminding his father that we have to go back up to Egypt with Benjamin. Or we're going to die. Or we're going to die. They can't. So there's no point. Go, yeah. Because we're not going to have food. Correct. So it's like a, it's ultimatum here that there's no getting out. Right. It's not, it's not even a catch 22 to that degree unless you want to die. So uh, actually, uh, Israel, it says Israel was upset with his sons for mentioning that they had another brother. He was upset. Notice his name is Israel there, not Jacob. Mm. So Israel was upset that they had mentioned another brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we had a, a previous brother. And they mentioned him, you know. Mm -hmm. And so uh, which son took full responsibility for taking Benjamin to Egypt to prove that they were not spies and bring him back safely? Well, in, a, in an interesting turn of events, it's Judah, which is a which is an about face from his previous behavior. Right. He even admitted to Tamar, you know, being uh, with child from him. So he he didn't he didn't have her burn or deny it. You yeah. Know? So it seems like so Judah's turning over a new leaf. He is. He's the one that wanted to sell Joseph. I want everybody to remember that story. Just break it down. You know, some of you have experienced sibling rivalry in the past or even today or tomorrow. But just remember that this is a, a, a way of life. This has happened. But it's really it's it's it's, it's how you handle it. So um so, hey, when Israel decided, hey, they, they're going to have to return back to Egypt, he had them take back the best fruits, balm, honey, spices, some myrrh, nuts, almonds, and, and double the money uh, to, of course, take back to uh, to Joseph, to the one that was second in command, to take back to the gentleman that they didn't even know that was their brother or, or son in reference to Jacob, uh, only out of respect. You know, it's not that he really needed it, but out of respect uh, to do that. And so uh, they come back. And so what did Joseph do for his brothers when they returned to Egypt with Benjamin? Uh, well, he prepared a dinner in his house for them. 
hey, they came back. Yeah. Wow, the family reunion is in, is in stages, Ryan, just like the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel is in stages. That's exciting because it's piece by piece, you know? It is, you know, it's interesting, you know, that we actually ha have something here going on at Beit Tehillah for our leadership uh we, we call it, uh, you know, dinner with Eliezer, uh, dinner with Nadi Ram, you know, uh, dinner with uh, Zach Waller and his family. And so with, with our leadership, because uh, we know that something's happening. Yeah. And we're doing this in, in stages. Well, it's like dinner with the king, and right? I, listen, his brothers, they were afraid. When they came into Joseph's house, they were afraid. Um, no, they're suspicious. Why, is, why are we now going into his house? Why, why can't we just get our grain and leave and leave our gifts, you know? You know, and I think, you know, this whole thing with deception, though, in Genesis 43, 23, Joseph's messing with his brothers now. Right. Because he's got the upper hand now, right? And he said, peace be to you, fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Huh. So it makes it sound like, you know. I knew all along. Well, Relax. it makes it sound like, hey, God gave you the money, but I have your money, you know. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of beside the point. Um and who did Joseph Steward uh, bring out to his brothers? Simeon. So I, I think we've neglected to mention that um, in the in the earlier in the story that they had left Simeon behind as collateral for them to return with Benjamin. Right. So, so he was probably one of the instigators as well that Joseph knew about. Right. So he said, you know what? I'm going to teach Simeon a lesson. Yeah. I'm going to lock him up for a little bit, you know. And uh, so the, the brothers give the present. Uh, to Joseph, they give him all the the gifts and things that that that, that the father Jacob had given to them to, to give uh, to him, and uh, he he accepted them. And uh, and then Joseph said, seems suspiciously interested in their family. Yeah, he's about like, the father hey, uh, and he's like, How, how's your father? You know, he, he's asking them, and uh, and they said, oh, he's well. You know, he's well. And so uh, once again, he he uh, he's got to leave the room. Uh, he, he entered into his chamber and he wept, you know, he's like, wow, you know, dad's doing good and all my brothers are here. And so his conscience is starting to be softened here and uh, he's starting to have a conscience. And uh, once again, when he found out Reuben wanted to really step up for him and show him love and he, he really went out of the room and wept. And here he goes, he leaves out of the room again and weeps. Yeah, well, in this case, I think it's because he sees Benjamin. It says in verse 29, it says, and he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin. His mother's son and said, Is this your younger brother of whom ye spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. And so I think that just the, the being reunited with Benjamin, um, you know, his actual full blood brother, uh, you know, after all this time, you know, knowing that Benjamin had nothing to do with any of that, right? That uh, this was kind of, a, I guess, a pure relationship. That, uh, that, you know, he was just overwhelmed with emotions. He had to, to you know, cut out and, and go cry in the, in the back room. It's kind of interesting, too, because wasn't it an abomination for the Egyptians to eat with the Hebrews? Yeah. Wow, there's a form of anti-Semitism right there, wow. even back then, you know. And um, so now Joseph is going to start messing with him because he can. Um, he, how did he... Uh, seat his brothers at the table. How did he do that? Well, he put them in birth order, which, wow. so it's oldest like, how do you know youngest? how old we all oldest are? Oldest to youngest? Yeah. yeah, at this point, they all have receding hairlines and bellies, so how do you I, tell them apart? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding you know? about the receding hairlines and bellies. That's not in I there. I hope you're not talking about me. I'm, what you, why would I okay. wouldn't say it? I'm not going to accept that. <laughs> so, I... I think it's interesting that these, you know, there's 11 brothers now, because they came as 10, now there's Benjamin with them, yeah. which is 11. And according to the birthright from oldest to youngest, and uh, I love this, how much more food did Joseph give to Benjamin 
than his older brothers. Well, it says five times the amount. Wow. So Can you imagine that? I mean. So if you have, what is it? One Twinkie, you have five. Well, so you get them in birth order, and they're like down at the end of the table, and they're like, man, he's got like a so whole bucket got of chicken all to himself. Chicken, yeah. He's got five pieces <laughs> yeah, of chicken. Exactly. I mean, that that's just incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and here we go into the conclusion of this particular portion. Yeah, we're going to call this section the setup. Oh, this is the setup. This so when Joseph setup. told the steward of his house to fill the men's sacks with food and to put their money into it as well, where did he tell the steward to put his silver cup? In the sack of the youngest, which is obviously Benjamin. Yes, in the sack of the youngest. So Joseph set his brothers up by giving them a head start before sending his steward to confront them about his silver cup. This is found in Genesis 44, verse 9. What did his brothers say should happen to the guilty party who has his cup? Well, this is like a replay of... What uh, should happen? Says that, what did they say? Let him die. Wow, the brothers say, hey, whoever has your cup... Let them die. Haven't we heard that before? We sure have. About the household items yeah, that Rachel had. Laban's, Jacob said, hey, idols. hey, Laban, his father-in-law, whoever has those idols, hey, let them die. Yeah. Well, guess what? Rachel died in childbirth. So we got to watch what we say. Uh, death and life in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, when he also says that, it, you know, let him die, and we also will become your bondmen. Very interesting. Uh and he said now uh, in verse nine, or verse 10, 44, 10, and he said now also, let it be according unto your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant and you shall be blameless. So he's like, hey, listen, you're, you're not going to die, but I'll tell you what you're going to do. That person's going to be my servant. So he's got this whole thing worked out. Yeah. He's not going to say, yeah, that's right. Whoever has the cup's going to die. He changes it now because he's got the authority and the power to do whatever he wants. You know, and I know through deception, it's not good to do this, but I know even in the Bible, it talks about even when you're in leadership that you should be tested. Like even me as the senior pastor here, I have the right and privilege to test people, to give you a test, to see if you'll pass the test. All in good intentions. And, and so uh, what would happen to the other brothers? Uh, they would be they would be scot free. He was telling them that uh, I'll take the one who took it as a slave, and then the rest of them uh, can go. Well, the interesting thing, I mean, I know I read verse ten, but uh, he goes, "Hey, we would become the Lord's uh, bondmen." And uh, when they searched the sacks from the eldest to the youngest and found the silver cup in Benjamin's sack, what did they do to their clothes in Genesis 44, 13? Well, obviously, this is their worst fear coming true, so they tear their clothes, because that's what we all do when we find out really bad news. Oh. Even to this day, we, we, we tear our clothes, don't we? I think that's amazing. Like Hulk Hogan. It's you know, amazing. You get mad and... No. Now, here's where it gets really, really good. Once again, with, with the conscience of Judah. When the brothers returned back to the city, Joseph told them that he knew about it. And so what did Judah admit to? Uh, their iniquity, their sin. He says, it says in verse 16, he says, And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also, and whom the cup is found. And in verse 17, go ahead and read that one. All right. And then it says, and he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. Dun, okay. dun, dun. And that's so the end of the Torah this portion. This is it. This is it. You're going to close it out, Ryan. If the bottom line is Joseph says, listen, Benjamin had the cup. He's going to be my servant. You are free to go. Yeah. So 
Uh, absolutely the worst possible turn of events for the guys uh, is that they now are, are worried, okay, do I want to be a slave to Joseph or do I want to go back and face my father without Benjamin? And so that's where the Torah portion leaves off, folks. I'm sorry to do this to you uh, if you're listening, but I, I got to say that uh, the Torah portion ends here and that you're just going to have to wait till next year to find out what happens uh, in this situation. But just know that God is on his throne. And so, uh, thanks for listening today. If you guys want to reach out to us, you can get us at info at to praise.net uh, on our website and go to the contact us tab, or you can email, or sorry, you can go to our website at to praise.net, or you can email us at info at to praise.net, or you can call the office at 813-654-2222. And, uh, the best podcast in cliffhangers. See you next week.